0: On The Verge. On The Verge is presented by Cure, cannabis used for research and education. The medical industry is steadfastly looking to help millions of patients that suffer from injuries related to repetitive motion, sports, trauma, and many other orthopedic injuries, as well as skin disorders, mental disorders, cancer, and osteoporosis, to name only a few of the other underlying conditions that billions suffer from each day. On average in this country, we have 10,000 people turning 65 every day. With the cost of pharmaceutical medicines increasing, patients deserve natural alternatives that are not only more cost-effective, but also safer for them and society. Cure is focused on providing natural alternatives to aid with current or previous medical conditions. Cure does this by providing a therapeutic properties of natural cannabinoid, formulations for multiple uses, whether internally or externally. Ask your physical therapist or your primary care physician if cannabinoids are right for you. Or check out their website at www.curemich.com Cure. Cannabis used for research and education. Did we just get on the verge just like that? Just like that, we're on the verge. Alright. Here we go. Welcome to On the Verge. Today's guest is just came out with his fourth album. Actually, my sixth, sixth album. Sixth album. Yes. Spotify hasn't done you good. No. Appropriate credit. Yeah, it's a little bit confusing
1: just looking on Spotify, but it's my <laughs> sixth
0: album. Yes. Oh, that's fantastic. Well, we're joined today by singer-songwriter Steve Mokler. Steve, Blue Jeans just came out. Yeah, man. Uh, Fresh off the skillet. And uh, I'm interested. There has to be a real big story behind the 72 Winnebago there is.
1: You you guessed right, man. That's actually one of my favorite stories <laughs> to tell and one of the biggest stories I've been able to be a part of, I think.
0: Yeah, tell me about the Winnebago, man. So,
1: my wife Gracie and I got married 7 years ago, and you know, I had I had two records out and was a completely independent artist aside from my my buddy Tim, who mm-hmm. was my manager, who also worked full-time at the Apple store. Just okay. to give you an idea of the scope of my career in that moment. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I was just trying to get my music going. I had a couple songs on some, um, some big records that fell off right before they came out. And I was kind of looking a little grim. Mm-hmm. My wife uh, had this sales job that she hated and had a dream of starting her own business. So I said, babe, why don't you just quit your job? You know, let's start at like ground zero. I want you to do what you love. And she started this business in her attic. And, um, and I had a vision one morning of us driving around the country in a camper. I was like, that looks like it'd be fun. I don't know how we're going to make money doing this, but this just seems like it'd be a fun story yeah, to live, you know? yeah. And the kind of dream was, well, maybe I can play music and she can, she had a jewelry company she started and employed women that were in recovery, recovery programs here in Nashville. Oh, that's awesome. And um, I said, you know, why don't you come on stage and you can tell people about the heart of what you're doing and sell your jewelry and I can, I can share my music and my story with people. So we announced it online, and we thought maybe this would be like a week long thing. Maybe there'd be seven or eight people out there that want to host us for the night. Uh-huh. And we ended up getting uh, over 150 offers to come play music and hang out. So we did 40 shows together in 50 days. Wow! In this 1972 11 foot long Winnebago that we got on Craigslist, <laughs> and man, we met so many amazing people and saw the country together, and and you know really launched her business and yeah what it
0: has become a really cool part of my career. There's something about taking a jump mm-hmm. and trusting the parachute that fills us full of life. It's a shame that there are so many people that are afraid to take a chance yeah. on change or whatever. Yeah. How much has that those experiences played out in your songwriting? Oh,
1: man, huge. I mean, I think... To me, music, just a music career still feels like that to me, you mm-hmm. know, every year. It's like, cause we, you know, we, as creatives, we wake up every day and you, you, you just hope that lightning's going to strike, Yeah. you know, cause the reason I have a career is because I, I, I write that, that some days I show up and good enough songs are produced that mm-hmm. people want to hear and whether it's on my record or someone else's record or mm-hmm. in a live show, and, um, you know, you just wake up and kind of bank on that happening every day. It's really never feels like a given, yeah. you know, to
0: have a, have a career in music. Interesting. Mm-hmm. So basically when you're, when you're just telling me that um, every day, it takes every mm-hmm. day and that mindset to know that not every day you're going to hit gold. Yeah, certainly, not. <laughs> certainly but, not. But you have to start the day with your pickaxe over your shoulder, heading, yeah. in, heading into the mine, knowing that today's, today could be my day. Yeah. But you got to show up. Yeah. you got to show up. And I think that that's – when when you show that you have the courage to make a decision like that, to get a Winnebago, take it to the road, and just wing it. Yeah. That means you have faith. That means you have enough internal belief that you can do it, and you're up for an adventure. Because at the end of the day, if it doesn't work out, whoop de doo we'll, That's We'll try right. it again. Yeah. We'll try to do something again. Yeah. Yeah. Of all of the places that you went on that fifty day run, mm-hmm. was there one particular city, event, or show that really steered you in the direction that you then knew that this was the the greatest decision you made at the time?
1: Man, I, that's a great question. I I I don't I, I don't want this answer to seem like a cop out, but there wasn't one. Okay. But I would I, I would say I'd kind of flip it, and I would say that there was. There was maybe only one that ever made me question if it was. Oh well, tell me about that. You one. Know? Uh, well, I, I really, don't, I don't want to get too much into the details, just because in, in case that this particular host ever hears this, but yeah, you know, sense. it's just, um, I, I more, I just really want to emphasize more that you know, I think what we found that was really surprising to us when we told people we were doing this, we're going to go out in in this camper, and you know, people, you don't even know the people, like no, we don't even know, we show up, we don't, we don't. We have no idea who they are. We don't really do any research ahead of time on mm. exactly where we're going to be. We just we just put it, what pieces together on the map, and we go and do it. And I think we're just—we're we we're always so blown away by the hearts of people and how good they are mm. and how much they just want to shower us with love and their friends and family with love, and we just kind of get to come into that fold. Uh, and it, it be, it's really just became something way more than we ever thought it would. We thought it would be just, you know, we can— Get a little check, play a show, and get on our way. And I think what we found is we've just—it's—it's it's been deeply fulfilling um, to get to know people, you know, on 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 such a personal level and yeah. be invited
0: into their lives. And I think what's in, in, what makes music, especially people like like you that that you deliver a message, is that it's the world we live in is getting further and further away from human connection. So when people still gravitate toward music and great music because the person who's passing on the story is going through something. Mm -hmm. You know, most of our emotions are negative, whether it be pain, hurt, struggle, sadness. And then there's love. Mm -hmm. You know, not many people write about like, they write about love and then they write about the neg, the negatives or the anti loves, so to speak. But when, when somebody's on stage singing, they have a pedestal They're, they're, They've had the courage to stand up there. So they're different. And then they tell a story about their struggles. All the people in the audience are struggling too. Nobody's Mm -hmm. exempt from the struggle. And then whether they went through the same thing that you did or not, they're still able to like, wow, this guy made it through. Yeah. And I heard, I heard that pain. I heard that. And that's all I needed. That's how people recharge is because they find out they're not alone. Yeah. And what music does such a great job of, and what you do a great job of, in both your new album and the other one that I listened to, which was Steeltown. Yeah. I mean, because I'm a Pennsylvania yeah, guy. Yeah. Not, you know, <laughs> at the end of the day, I'm, I listen to your songs and I'm like, wow, there's a connection there. I thought Steeltown was great because I'm from Pennsylvania. So you did yeah. a great job of painting a picture of small town Pittsburgh ish. Yeah. You know, I was like, man, that's exactly what it was like. Thank you. A- and the the things that you described about, you know, in the song, I was like, a lot of people aren't living in small towns anymore because everything's been taken out. Everything's in the big cities now. We've lost that small town, that small town vibe yeah. and a thriving small town at that. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's, that's the gift, which is to be able to tell stories and let everybody know that it's okay. And that's what people cling to. And so when you're on when you're out on this on the road and you're on stage, mm-hmm. what's it like? What's the difference between a crowd that is really in to Steve Mokler mm-hmm. and one that isn't isn't plugged in tonight. What's that what's that vibe like on stage? <clears throat> Man, that's
1: a great question. Um it's it's a big challenge when you're on stage and you know you, you feel like it, it, you know the, thing, the funny thing is even if 80% of the audience is listening 90% of the audience is listening it's amazing what 10% of a crowd who you feel like is talking or you know whatever just making noise at the bar or mm-hmm. isn't feeling it it's really easy to get an idea in your head I suck man like I can't get I can't even captivate this crowd tonight you yeah. know and, and uh it's, um, so I, I really, uh, something I really just try to always work on is like focusing on the people who are in. I saw, I haven't read a book. I saw that Charlie Daniels released a book called, uh, don't look at the empty seats. And I, I, I can't wait to read it, but just with, I love that title. Yeah. I've thought about that title ever yeah. si- since I've seen it. Um, so I really just try to plug into the people who I know are, you know, are connected and engaged and. Um, you know, when you have a room of that, it's magic. Yeah. Um, and I've, I've, I've been blessed to have many nights like that. I've had nights where, um, I, I can't quite get that quarter of the audience and that's mm-hmm. a, a mental battle, mm-hmm. um, th- the whole time on stage. And then there's been nights where, man, I can hardly get anybody <laughs> in here. Yeah. Those are the really tough nights. You yeah. just kind of got a, at a certain, you know, a certain, certain fight as hard as you can. Then you kind of go, you know, at a certain point. This this night is just not set up for me mm-hmm. to
0: win, and you got to just check the ego yeah. and just play music. Well, you just, that's the thing that you made a great point there because mm-hmm. not everything goes as planned. That's right. And you know, my my fa- one of my favorite lines from the 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 Socratic genius that Mike Tyson is, which mm-hmm. is everybody's got a game plan until they get punched in the face. Yeah, you know. And yeah. you go up there, and you got this new album. If everything's feeling good, you got the good dinner, yeah. getting ready to walk on stage, and it's like, yeah. And you're just dealing with dead. Like, <laughs> everybody plugged in, batteries charged up. We yep. alive. Yeah, I can't imagine. I can imagine that can be that can be a little challenging. But you made a great point. And I try to get. And there's the relative now when you talk about sport. Mm-hmm. In my sport. There's a lot of negative. Like, you don't really hit that many awesome golf shots. Like, Tiger Woods is known as the greatest golfer of all time, but he doesn't hit great shots all the time. And there are days in which he hardly plays well at all, but he figures out how to get it done Mm -hmm. in a professional way, as an elite enough to stay on TV to see another day. Yeah, And to be able to focus on what you have to focus on Mm -hmm. to make it through today is essential, and what you said was, even if there's 25% of people that aren't there with you, and that's easy to be sucked into, if you stay focused on what is good, that person in the front row that is like like soaking you all in, if you can just lock into that, that's your world right there, Mm -hmm. generally speaking, that brings out the best in you, which can totally change a room. But if you focus on the fear... Mm -hmm. Of like, they don't like me. What's wrong with that guy? what what I do to him? And it's easy to veer off into that. It it happens in sport. It happens in music. Yeah, I'm so fascinated because I don't have a musical bone in my body, except I love music so much. Mm -hmm. I'm always fascinated the parallels of fear Mm -hmm. and what fear does to you. When you, what was that moment where you conquered the fear of the microphone and the stage and it became, this is my life, instead of, am I wired for this
1: man? I think it was probably the first time I ever got up on stage and performed It was in eighth grade. Wow. I started playing guitar and, um, you know, I was, I was never, you know, I was in, I was in middle school, so I was incredibly insecure. Mm, (laughs) I'm still insecure, but in, in middle school, it's just ramped up to 10, you know? And I really, I wasn't a standout athlete or student. Mm. Um, and, uh, you know i started playing guitar and some guys there were in my class we we all kind of said we're gonna play a different instrument and we put together a show and and uh i did not want to be a singer you know we yeah. were all kind of fighting over who was like you should sing you should sing and it just landed on me right. and um and i'll never forget it man i got up there and and we we, we played some cover songs at the holiday festival in the cafeteria <laughs> yes. and 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 I, you know, I was still on video. It was a really terrible performance, really. But I, that was it. I'll never forget the moment, and because I, I, I remember feeling like, wait, you know what? People are actually paying attention to me yeah. right now. And I, did, I didn't really ever feel that in school growing up much. And I felt like I, I kind of found a thing mm-hmm. that could be my own and
0: and a connection there that I really wanted to to nurture and grow. Yeah, And now that that leads leads me to a thought that I haven't really put much time into in a while. Arts have been taken out of public schools a lot. Music has been taken out of public schools in a lot of places. Mm. And the thought that if it had been taken out for you, you might not be doing what it is that you're doing right now. How important is the outlets for non-athletes and non-geniuses, so to speak? Yeah. Because I, I, when I hear the music teacher here, he has a great attitude here at the school at Ensworth. He has a great attitude when he goes, I understand that there are a lot of people here that are interested in learning how to play the drums or the trombone or guitar or whatever. But if, one, if I make a difference in one person's life, it's all that matters. Yeah. And it's a huge thing. It's like the learning piece at this age – You know, from, you know, probably wouldn't you say you're you're doing a general education and elementary education until you're about 13. And then you're somewhere between, I think I have an idea what I'd kind of like to do. And I want to start to foster that. And if you don't have basketball skill, and you're not like super genius with chemistry, or math, it can be kind of that school can be a pretty daunting place. Yeah. And to find that voice, pun intended, it like that would be that has to be a great gift that I I never had because I didn't have, I didn't have the music gene, mm-hmm. but it was a huge part of yours. Who were your major influences yeah. in your youth that steered you in this direction?
1: Well, there's kind of two, two influences were coming at me from two different directions. One was, uh, my dad's office in the basement. You know, my dad worked from home. He's an architect and, um, he listened to music all all the time like in his music like bruce springsteen and Mm -hmm. billy joel and the eagles and um and i love i loved his music you know i think i i soaked it in without even realizing i would be down in his office and coloring i actually used to draw draw golf courses actually (laughs) i I was in the golf as a kid too i used to draw houses and golf courses and color and just listen to all the all the music i mentioned Mm -hmm. i think it really soaked into my being and as as an adult, that's actually a lot of what I prefer to listen to, um, but you know, at the time, I also loved you know the modern music of the of the day, like John Mayer and Matchbox Twenty and the Counting Crows and mm-hmm. um, and that kind of stuff. Because so I, I hear John Mayer in your music. Oh, th- um, thanks. I'm sure I've I've listened I, to it a lot. It ends up getting in the stew. Uh, yeah. yeah, like
0: I'll I listen to uh, when I listen to your to your music over the last thirty six hours. Some influences that I heard in my. In my ear were the War on Drugs. Okay, th- I love that yeah. band, and I hear th- his. Your voices sound very similar, in the textures of the of the rhythms of the songs. Like that's the first. Like the first song I heard was Steel Town, and I'm yeah. like, huh, it's got a little bit of War on Drugs there. Huh. And then the next song I listed was kind of like on Spotify, just plowing yeah. through. And I was like. Man, that sounds like a little John Mayer. Yeah. And I said could, I couldn't I couldn't wait to hear your influences and where yeah. they come from because I don't like I said, I can't play anything, but my I listen to so much. I love like I like just little I like to see who the because it's yeah. it's part of who you are. For sure. Interesting. Bruce Springsteen too, huh? Yeah, yeah, that's
1: big and and then there, I got hit with a whole nother wave of inspiration when I moved to Nashville. I feel like I fell in love with music all over again. Interesting. Yeah, just in um and Eric Church became a huge influence. Kind of, I, 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 Eric Church influenced me in my, like from in my twenties the way that John Mayer influenced me in my teens it was just, and then, so mm. then I started diving down hearing, you know, all of Eric Church's influences and yeah. going down the path of you know Willie Nelson and Chris Christopherson and and Alan Jackson even like mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. So, I'm a I'm a mutt man. I'm a mutt. I, wow. I I've I've got all kinds of things that influence my sound.
0: I love that. Yeah. So you, uh, when you think about, so you, it's like not hard rock, but you got some rock influences. Yeah. And then the classic country influences and then your life experiences. Mm-hmm. When you're, when you're listening to music in, the, in your head, are you hearing guitar first or do you hear drum first? What do you hear in your mind as you're kind of putting things together when you're writing your songs?
1: Man, for me, it always starts with the with the words and story. Really, I, I've I've told people this, and I think I really mean it. But you know, if music didn't have words, I, I'd be I wouldn't be in this business. I'd be doing mm-hmm. something with words and yeah. stories. Mm-hmm. So it, it to me, it's it's it, I, I, there needs to be a story or an emotion something we're trying to convey lyrically, and that's what inspires the music in me. Interesting. So once I, you know, I hear a hook or an idea or I sing a line, um, that's when I get inspired to start making music. That's when I
0: hear a beat or a guitar or a melody. Interesting. Yeah,
1: so it's kind of backwards.
0: Interesting. Yeah. So like my favorite band is Tool, okay? Okay. So Tool, the the, the drummer, the guitarist, and the bassist, they work together. And they they write the music, and Maynard doesn't want to hear anything about it until they're done because they're kind of over overprotective. I mean, over-perfect, okay. You know, they. Yeah. Oh, it's it's ninety nine point seven percent, but they're still at point three. We got to get yet. So he said, and then he they send the music. Maynard listens to it and then feels what the music does to him, and then starts writing the songs off of the music. Yeah. And so, and you're like. You're like, I got I got some words, hmm, and then you start to feel it off of the words, which is what kind of reminds me of what I teach in golf, which is there is no such thing as the way. Hmm. There's a bunch of ways. It just has to come out and sound good. Right. So that's what I always try to make. It is art. Like, everybody's doing something different to end up with the same high-quality delivery. Yeah. I love that. So, when you think of your your writing, what are your you you think are your key impetuses to your success? Is it pain related, or is it fun related, life related? Where do you sense that your best stuff comes from?
1: Man, that's a great question. Um, I think I'm just starting. I feel like I'm just starting to get a sense of that. Six albums in, I feel like I'm just starting to notice. Like, okay, these seem to be the songs that people really gravitate to. And then I, I feel like, you know, I need to put in my show, you know, and Mm. it tends to be, uh, life, life related and hope related. I I think there's this, there's this idea that there's just kind of two different things I touch on a lot. One is time is going really fast. It hurts. Mm -hmm. What are we doing with the time we have? You know, whether that's about, you know, you're, becoming a father or watching my grandparents grow up or you know any anything I kind of come at it from all different angles but I'm that's something I'm always fixated with and the other is just a a perspective on life and what matters you know I think we can always it's so easy to get caught up in a bunch of crap that doesn't matter Mm -hmm. and we forget about how simple it is just to be happy Mm -hmm. to be connected and to be in line with our purpose and so those are kind of the this, 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 the main things I like to harp on and yeah. I'll veer off and
0: sing about other subjects but those, that kind of seems to be at the heart of my music that's, um, that's really important for me to kind of dig in here a little bit because I love the life st- stuff but the time piece that you just talked about is something that's essential because we stop thinking about time Because we're so in the hamster wheel, just digging all day long, just going as fast as we can go. And we forget to live. Yeah. And we forget to take time. Yeah. Because the only thing we can't get back is time. Yeah. And most people, unfortunately, wake up to time a little too late. Mm. And I think, really, that's where music plays a huge role in a couple of things. One is it stamps time. Yes, it does. Yeah. Yeah. If you're listening, like if I listen to Alice in Chains' uh, Wood or Them Bones, it takes me to this time where I was lost in Birmingham and I couldn't find this apartment that I was supposed to be (laughs) moving to. And it was really... Frustrating, but like me just listening to that song over and over again. If I hear it on the radio, it's like it just poof, time throws, travel. Me, throws yeah. me 1993 right in the middle of Birmingham. I yeah. have no idea where I am. It's incredible, you know. And that's like to me, that's, that's the power of being a time guy is like you have the ability to communicate where people can listen to your songs and be taken to a place because they've reminded of a time mm-hmm. that's powerful yeah i love that yeah man i love that it's
1: crazy. it's what you're saying is it's cool that i don't even think about that angle on it but the music we're making no matter what it's about right yeah I'm, sometimes i'm literally singing about that feeling but regardless the music that people of mine that are, that are here it's going to take them back to a time they heard it for the first time or had some memorable experience with okay. it. And that's something we always forget about when we make music that we're giving people these little time capsules. Yeah.
0: Cause like t- today's <laughs> yeah. a perfect example. My two boys come down after they take a shower, get ready to go to school. And I'm listening to your, to your, uh, steel town. Yeah. And they're like, daddy, who's this? I said, well, I'm going to be interviewing Steve today and I want to make sure that I got to get a feel for what he's doing. And, we were, and they all sat down we had breakfast together listening so Steel Town yeah. is attached to my boys just coming down after the Super Bowl you know yeah. Bowl, like, talk a little bit about the football game and like, like I really like this song daddy I said, yeah this is cool. Oh, that's cool so it, there's I like it. so like what I think about when I of course it helps to put a face to a name too so like hadn't seen you see you listen to your music and I share this moment with my kids and my kids love country music a lot so they were like yeah, Daddy. We're not listening to Tool this morning. Great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's really cool. So you, you know, you and I are both in a situation where we're, we're from, we came from uh, to Nashville from Pennsylvania. Yeah. And you grew up in, in Pittsburgh. Yeah. And I and I grew up in Gettysburg. So you're you're on the west coast of Pennsylvania, and I'm in the south central. What was your childhood like in the Steel City?
1: I love my childhood, man. And we we weren't quite in the city. We were south. Uh we were south about 30 minutes in a town okay. called Bethel Park and Oh, okay. it was it was the last it was just to put it in context, it was the last stop on the trolley line. So it was like we had you can get on the trolley in my town and take it downtown. Uh but we were the last stop and after after my town it started it started to become more rural and mm-hmm. um out of town, but it was man, it was a um it was a great, you know, a very average, middle-class, suburban American town. Kind of
0: Pennsylvania. Yeah. You know, Pennsylvania is so, like, blue-collar, Yeah, middle-class, generally speaking, salt-of-the-earth yeah. people that really like their football and really are into their communities. And, yes. uh and it's a pretty simple way of life. It's a, really it a lot of farm country outside of Philly, Pittsburgh, Harrisburg. Yeah. Outside of that, it's a pretty rural community, yeah. or state anyway. Yeah. Uh, not that dissimilar to, to Tennessee, to be honest no, with you. No, really not. Outside yeah. of the temperature, maybe in August, that's about it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I, and I think a lot of my experience was,
1: you know, looking back, I think what made it so special to me was, was my, my mom's siblings were all there. You know, so mm-hmm. I grew up. With my aunts and uncles and my my grandparents and my cousins and we you know we hung out man we we were together for everybody's birthday yeah. for the football games for going to each other's sporting events and stuff mm-hmm. and, um, and we we went to the same church and so it's just a I miss I miss that you know that I think when I think about where I grew up yeah um, there was a lot to it obviously but that I guess. The thing I miss the most and the most fond of is, is just the, the, the time with family, you yeah. know, and, and how, how tight we were. Interesting. Yeah. So when did you move to Nashville? I moved to Nashville uh, right when I, and I graduated high school. And I, I, came, I came here to go to Belmont University. For a co- I went there for a couple of years. so That was kind of my segue into Nashville. I almost didn't go to college at all. And um, I was offered this independent record deal, mm. and I thought I was going to take it and, you know, just hop straight on the road and start making records. And, and I had an attorney who I d- had just discovered, you know, yeah. when I got the record deal, and, and he advised me not to do it. And um, he said, don't, you don't want to get in bed with the first person who wants to sleep with you. He said, I think you got a lot of talent. He's like, and you know, I'm willing to help you on this road, uh, but I want to just let you know up front, this is a long road you know, mm-hmm. but if you want to go down know, I'll walk it with you. So that was heartbreaking at the time. Um, but I, and I applied to a few schools and, um, ended up getting into Belmont. I didn't get into other, any other yeah. school I applied how to, which, that? and I got in here and man, it was just a, I had no idea how much of a blessing it was going to be. I thank God that I came here.
0: Wow. That's so yeah. cool. So you, you're, you're coming down, you, you get this deal the lawyer says let's not do that yeah and then you start you go to belmont and obviously it's a known for its music business yeah uh, a higher education sure how has your first vision or interpretation of what you thought it might be like how is it in reality to that being at belmont you mean no as in like the road to becoming oh. a musician—like oh, what you thought it might be at age eighteen or nineteen—and <laughs> how it's actually turned out to be right now in your life. How different is that picture?
1: Wow, it's a great question. Uh, it's incredibly different. Uh, I think I was so naive. You know, I I, I just imagined I'm going to get onto a tour bus. And I'm just gonna disappear. And uh that's gonna be it. And I and I and I kinda was, if anything, I just hoped the rest of my life would come together. I hoped I would have friends. I hoped I would be able to be happily married and have kids. And mm-hmm. and you know, in my story, yeah, the, the the tour bus moment, that big moment never it hasn't happened. Hmm. I I feel like a lot of big moments have happened. Yeah. And I guess my, you know, I feel like my career has been so much slower and gra- more gradual than I thought it would be. I think, to be honest, I think I came to Nashville, I mean, maybe overconfident. I, mean, I think, think, man, and, or I just thought things worked. Things happened fast. faster. You know, yeah. I thought, oh man, I'm going to get a record deal. I'm going to get on a bus. I'm going to go. And I, I think the story that I've actually have lived so far in my 14 years here has been a lot more, a lot slower but a lot more gratifying and a lot more refining to me as a person and an artist, yeah but most of all i'm i I'm, I'm so glad for my, my life man that i I was able to mm. I have such solid friendships here and was able to meet my wife and yeah.
0: date and get married and wouldn't you that. almost think that it was that for people out there this is what I see a lot of people that are dreamers, yeah, they miss the fact that the 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 story's actually in the journey, not in yeah. the destination, so it hasn't it wasn't like you envisioned, but in some ways, if done, if done right, that's a big deal for you, having it done too early, you wouldn't be ready yes. for and you'd miss things, and you'd do things out of order or not at the right time or not in the right way for what you needed that you only get out of experience, yeah. and experience is what is what takes time. Yeah. You know, and that's yeah. what takes time for you to be where you are today. You couldn't be who you are today at, at 19. No way. Yeah. But at 19, you thought you could, that's the, that's oh, the yes. challenge of being a teenager. <laughs> exactly. I definitely thought I could. Yeah. I, I, yeah. And I,
1: I, I mean, I mean, I, I couldn't be more grateful really for, for how it is, has gone, how it's going. I've definitely had heartbreaking moments in that whole time. And I'm sure I got more to go, but, mm-hmm. um, it, I think I have fallen stubbornly in love with the pace of my career. Um because I, I, I think it's 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 um it's kept me very grounded, it's kept me really connected to who I am and my yeah. music and and to my friends and family, you know. Um and our audience, that's the other thing. because yeah. beca- I think if if I had gone on a tour bus right at when I was nineteen, I would never have the relationship I have with my fans because we've traveled around the country in a camper, man. and yeah. you mean, know, we've played hundreds of shows and spent hours of really personal time with the people that like our music. And I've gotten so much life from that because they remind, in, in those experiences I have with them in their backyard or their farm or their living room, I get to hear their story and what it is about our stories that connect wow. and why they're coming to listen to my music. So when I go write a song, I'm thinking about, you know, there's dozens of people that come to mind, or hundreds really, that over, over the year that I go, man, I remember that guy, and, mm-hmm. or talking to this girl. And, and you know, so I, I can imagine where that song is going to live on a personal level. I don't know. I don't know if a song is going to be on the chart or a gold record or a platinum record. I don't know. You know, that's not, hasn't been my experience, but I can go, man, I know like Jennifer in Ohio. Mm-hmm. She really got a lot of life from this song.
0: Like this could be something like that. Yeah. You know, maybe we can meet her in this moment. That's so true. It's like one of my favorite yeah. lines comes from Kevin Elko. He's the sports psychologist for Alabama football. And he said, um, the two most powerful days in your life are the day that you, the day that you're born and the day you find out why you were born. Yeah. And I think that there's where you found, there's where you found why you were born. Yeah. Because I, that, like, it's just amazing for Obviously nobody out here can see your eyes when you're telling that story. But when you tell that story, you come alive in your eyeballs. Mm. Wow, that's cool to okay. hear. Okay, So when you're, like, you're sitting yeah. there talking, and all of a sudden I ask that question, you think, and like whew, your eyeballs like illuminate, they get bigger, and they tell a story like, and this is why I do what I do. Yeah. Because all it's like a domino. You hit one domino, it hits two, two hit four, four hit seven, seven hit 13, and then it just extrapolates outward. That's people. You yeah. get in front of four that liked your song and you're like, and those four feed you a little bit. And now you hit seven and you get seven, you hit 13, 13 at 30. And now you're just rolling. And all of these commute, the cumulative experiences of the reactions to your songs, mm-hmm. the feelings that you feel that your songs provide for them, mm-hmm. provide the impetus and the fuel for more. Yeah. And it's a cycle that keeps exactly. chewing and going and, those, being able to, that's what I call for golf, I call that the cycle of champions. You have to like put your best workout, perform it, assess it, get back on the grind, Yeah, more work, test it, assess it, and then it just keeps going. Mm-hmm. And the better you get at all three, everything gets tighter and tighter and tighter and tighter until you're the best version of yourself and that's when magic occurs and when you do it fast it never works mm. or when it does work like that it's lying to you and it blows up so yeah. I think that that's the, that's the beauty of that another piece that's really important for me for my podcast is to let everybody out there know that you're not perfect and you've had to persevere through some difficult times Yeah, and perseverance and hearing other people's stories really help because everybody's struggling but people are getting less and less able to push through the struggle for whatever reason yeah. what's a perse what's a moment that really pushed you to the end of your perseverance rope but you dug in and found yourself on the other side that has helped you be who you are today
1: it's a big one virgil that's a big one uh Oh, hmm. <laughs> I can think of so many. Yeah, I'm gonna try to zero in on one. Um, man, there's so many. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll start by just saying, man. You know, I've the amount of showcases I've done for mm. record labels. Yeah, like, trying to get a record deal. You know, over the last 15 years has been. I don't know, I've i probably done six or seven and, you know, you, and you hear all this hype on the front and like, this person's really excited about you or they're loving this. And then you go do the thing and nothing happens. Yeah. You know, and I think that that's happened to me, uh, a lot of different times, uh, price. I don't know, close to 10 times. Uh, and that's always a, a tough recovery, you yeah. know, cause you put, you say, Hey, you know, that'd be cool. Let's, let's make this happen. And. And it, and it doesn't work out, and then you got to go back in your head and go, what am I doing wrong? Should I be more this? Should I be more that? Do I need to change who I am to fit into this? And um, so there's always a, a wrestling chair for yeah. me when, I, when something like that happens. Um, another, another thing I think of was the first time I actually started to make a living playing music. I dropped out of school and i had the opportunity uh, to, to, to tour the college circuit. Oh, nice. So there's kind of, it's kind of this subset in the music industry yeah. where you can go play at cafeterias and and coffee houses and colleges. No bring you in front at the time was like a lot of money to me. They may pay me $500 or something to go play a show and
0: yeah.
1: I was like, "Oh my gosh, I'm paying my rent for the first time playing my music." This felt like the what i dreamed of doing, right? It yep. wasn't a tour bus, but i was making a living playing music. And i did that for about 2 years. Until I realized I was t- completely drained and empty because I, was, I started to feel like a truck driver driving around picking up checks because at these shows, no one was there. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> there was nobody at these things. Wow. So I was driving around like crazy. I wasn't writing songs, I wasn't making records, I wasn't building an audience. Or, or you know, the experience I shared with you a moment ago yeah. of getting to talk to people who liked my music or appreciated it yeah. I wasn't having that I was just driving around for checks playing in nowhere you know a lot of times colleges people had never heard of and shows that nobody had heard about yeah and I, I remember playing in Syracuse uh University of Syracuse I was so excited um because it was a big school and I'd heard of it before and and I remember they set me up at, at a stage in this little student center, and and they had uh, someone there selling tickets and someone selling concessions and someone from the uh, television company there, on, on campus TV, and the guy that brought me in was just said, hey man, let's just give it another five minutes, I'm sure people will come. We gave it five, we gave it 15, we gave it half an hour, not a soul came to the show. Wow. And I remember him just saying, man, I'm really sorry, you can just, he handed me a check and said, you can just go, it's okay. And I was like, I'm not doing, I, of course I want the check, but I'm here to build an audience and it just isn't happening. And then that, that just kind of summed up that whole two years yeah. of my life. So I, one of my good friends um, said, he gave me advice. He said, man, you can, you're going to see a return on wherever you invest your time, you know? And if this is, if this, you're only going to see more of these shows coming at you if you don't get out of this circuit. And I, he says, where do you want to see a return? I was like, man, I really want to, I want to write songs in Nashville and I want to build my audience and so I came back to Nashville and shortly thereafter was offered a publishing deal and and dug my heels in the music row and um you know started what's kind of the 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 lane that I'm in now really yeah. started right there but by turning away those little paychecks to go play those shows because yeah. I just knew it wasn't wasn't doing it for me
0: yeah you got you got up. off that interstate you got off the get exited yeah. And in some ways, I bet that was a scary decision because it was your first taste of financial freedom. It was. So you're like, well, but, but you're torn between maybe I can make this work and then other people who have been there and done that saying, yeah, you're going to kill yourself on this road yeah. if it, you don't pay attention. Exactly. You're going to get more of this, not less of this. Yeah. I bet that was not easy to hear. It wasn't, you know, and again, kind of tying
1: it back to my first example it was like I had showcased for, for labels. I was hoping I would get the shot to get a record deal, to have a song on the radio to go out there. And I didn't get it. So mm. this thing came along. I was like, well, I can do this. I can make a living doing this. And I remember falling asleep one night in a hotel somewhere in Maine. I was like, I've never had this much money in my life. It was not a lot of money, but to my 22 year old, it was yeah. a ton. Yeah. And I said, I'm miserable. What is the deal? And I think it was because I was, I was not connected to my why. Yeah. I was, I was just, you know, getting a check, so playing fr- a show anywhere I could, and I and I forgot to get back to the heart of it—the songwriting and connecting with maybe less people for less money, but a more meaningful connection.
0: Yeah, very true. And when you, when you talked about your your showcases, mm-hmm. one of the most challenging parts for anybody that's trying to make it. Is that weird balance between expectations and jadedness from having your expectations crushed so many times? Yes. Of thinking that you're never going to get what's wrong with me? Yeah. Or I'm going to go in here. I'm going to do this. This person loves me. This is going to be a home run. Right. And it blows up. I always tell kids expectations is Greek for cancer. Mm. You know, it is just another another word for cancer. That's good. Because when you start to expect something, that's a level of entitlement that you're not entitled to. To to be able to stay in the now, be comfortable with who you are and the game you play, so to speak, Yeah, is the actual answer. Yes. But when you're not getting any love, yeah. it creates all kinds of self-doubt. Mm-hmm. And it's really what you do with that self doubt that ends up making you or breaking you. Yeah. Well what said. what are the keys for you when it's or certainly for in the past, because we're yeah. we're we're trending in a in a great direction now, but when it wasn't good and your expectations got squished, what have you done to pull yourself out of that, that sad or dark mm-hmm. place that things weren't? Going like you thought they might go, yeah. Is it faith? Is it hope? Is it just your internal belief that you got this? Somebody else in your ear telling you, hey, "Man, don't be brought down by this." Yeah. What were the, what were your keys there?
1: I think there was a few. I think I think faith is huge. You know, I think because I think those self doubt questions and accusations we get in our mind they, that's really an attack on your identity. You know it's it attack it's it's more than music because i know everybody deals with that in mm. whatever field they work in or sport they play in um, and i think for me it's it's definitely a faith thing man i have to come back to i have to come back to god i have to i have to fall on my knees and say man i who am i i surrender i surrender and and he gives me you know that he gives me an ident- my identity as a son yeah you know and, and as fully loved with all my flaws mm. and I find a lot of strength in that and um so you come back you know, and you pick up your guitar and and you try to put something true down yeah. you know, and then you find that hey one one person connects with this, two people might connect with this, and you kind of that fire kind of just gets going again, you know, mm-hmm. but I think another another huge component um for me, especially when I first moved here, but I have to continue to practice this mindset is um you know comparing yourself to people who have things you don't have or maybe whether that's a talent Mm -hmm. you don't have or a record deal or an ability or a connection you don't have um and i something i i always tell people is like man when you move to nashville it's going to happen to you you're it's going to hit you like a train you're going to see somebody on stage it's going to blow you away and in that moment you can decide if you want to be discouraged or inspired mm-hmm. because that person is gifted and you have a gift too but your gift is not going to come out by just by by just going into the closet you know and and never coming out to play music again you know because i've seen that happen a lot mm-hmm. of people move to nashville they're here to do music they somebody's great they don't measure up and they just disappear and some people that, that they're they're probably meant to they're going on their own path but for me i've always felt just in my heart, I'm meant. I'm meant to play music, you know? yeah. and and I've, you know, I think we're all here to shine. You know, we all have something that makes us shine, and and I, I've had enough experiences where I go, man, that's that's where my light comes out when I'm yeah. playing music, and I need to make sure when I see someone else's light shining, that I just I let it fuel mine, you know, yeah. and uh, instead of just letting me or make you know, I'm tempted to just hide
0: mine. Yeah, I think that's really important yeah. to be able to. One, be grateful to see somebody else shine. Yes. The ability to be grateful that you have the opportunity to watch somebody else enjoy yeah. their life. Yeah. Instead of being jealous or angry because that person doesn't have as much talent as me or that person got lucky or, yeah. uh, you know, it's so interesting to watch how attitude plays a huge role in your altitude Ooh, going that's forward, good. you know? So, like, I love that attitude. Because to me, I've always celebrated all of my um, contemporary success. I love yeah. to go to our awards banquets and see other people succeed yeah, and, and do well. And even if I, whatever I think about myself versus that, I want to see that 10% that that person has that I don't have Right. That's that person's gift. And see if I can't squeeze a little off of it and put it in my yeah, front pocket. Exactly. You know, instead yeah. of being angry because I I didn't get it or that person should have won it. I'd be like, oh, take it for what it's worth. This guy's got a gift. I'm like, ooh. I like the way he does that. And then take it with me. Yeah. Instead of being like, terrible. Right. No good. That's a that's very yeah. important. That's it. It's an important trait because I saw something the other day that was really powerful. It made me really think. Pay attention to the people who are not clapping at your success. Now, that is a very deep thought. Mm. Pay attention to who is not clapping when you have your success because those are the people that are trying to bring you down. Wow. That's That's a pretty serious thought right there. That is. Because to me, yeah. that is, that's is—that's who I don't want to be. Mm. I don't want to be the guy who's not clapping for somebody when they've achieved something that was really important to them. Right. Man, that's a terrible place to be. It is. It's a terrible place to it be. It is, man. And especially,
1: you know, music. It, it, music comes from, from the heart, man. Yep. So if you got, if you have bitterness and jealousy and anger in there, I don't think it's good for your music. You know? Yeah, so it's like, it I doesn't serve you in any way. I, I can't think of any good it jealousy. It doesn't serve songs. you, man. <laughs> it's you know. So I, I again, yeah. It's it's been that's always so freeing when you can just celebrate people. They're, and yeah. Just if we could put one more capstone on that thought, I, I, I don't know if you ever read the book The Screw Tape Letters. CS No, I've not. It's it, the whole book is a is a le- is letters and advice from a an older devil to a younger devil, telling them how, oh, it's deep stuff yeah. how to be a great devil, right? And there's this part in the book where the senior devil says, and the worst thing that could happen, which is the best thing, because yeah. they're devils, is if a, you know, a man can walk so closely with God that he can walk into a cathedral and rejoice as if he built it with his own hands. And I just love that. And I yeah. think that, because you can bring, you know, whether it's on the golf course, you can watch a guy crush a drive right down the center you're playing against and go, man. That's amazing. like You know, almost like you hit it. Like you got to watch it, that you're there for it. And I I, I feel that way in music, man. When I hear a great song that my friends wrote, or I don't even, I just heard it. I don't know who wrote it. Mm -hmm. There's that, you've attended, sometimes you go, man, I wish I wrote that. I wish I thought of that. But then I go, I just get to hear it. Thank you, God. What a great song. Mm -hmm. And let that into my heart and hope that I can make something that's
0: that great one. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, as we shift our way out of what makes you great and what recharges your yeah. batteries, generally speaking, those are the things that a large amount of people of like-mindedness get together to do. That's just why sporting events, live music, and family and community affairs, generally speaking, are the top three things that people like to do Yeah, to recharge. Yeah. Well, being from Pens- Pennsylvania, being from Pittsburgh, I know that there has to be some sports in you. Yeah. <laughs> Talk to me about your favorite sports team, sports players when you were growing up. Yeah. Uh... Well, when I was a kid, I loved
1: uh, actually loved the Pittsburgh Penguins. When I was a kid, yeah. I mean, Mario Lemieux was was one of my childhood heroes. I used to play street hockey in you know the back in our driveway and uh, with the neighbors, and yeah. I had this this VHS called Mario. That was really looking back, it was just total propaganda. <laughs> it was like you know like the symphony was playing and like it's the kid Mario, and then like it just how awesome he was in slow motion and i just thought he was awesome at his posters up in my room and yammer Yager. and oh yeah so i was i was a big penguins fan and hockey fan as a kid and uh as i got a little bit older though i i became a steelers fan and i think it was really just the 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 ritual of sundays yeah and getting together and uh my uncle dan and my 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 grandfather had, had bars in their basement and so it was just kind of this family gathering yeah of watching the pittsburgh steelers play and that has stuck with me at so at this point i'm I, i'm not a huge sports fan but i'm a i'm a huge pittsburgh steelers fan well you'd
0: say yeah. you're you're a roethlisberger steelers fan right? yes
1: he was my yeah, he was drafted i think my sophomore year of of high school which is yeah. crazy so we've watched his whole yeah no kidding. career yeah
0: longevity you know, I know that's what yeah. you're searching for too we're all searching for exactly. longevity and relevancy yeah. if we could be all as relevant as Ben Roethlisberger yeah <laughs> we'd, be, we'd be a pretty good we a pretty good spot yeah what's the what's the greatest sporting event you ever watched in person
1: man that's a great question I haven't thought about that for a while Man, I'll tell you what, this, this is going to be silly, this comes to mind, I one of the most memorable, I, again, I can't say like this was the biggest yeah. game, or whatever, but I remember Mary Lemieux, my childhood hero, yeah. he hosted a Celebrity Golf Invitational oh, at yes. Neville Wood Country Club, uh, and I went there with my Aunt Star and my cousin Chris, and we watched Mary Lemieux and Michael Jordan play, <gasps> a, we followed them playing golf all day, and... I mean, I just thought that I thought I died and went to heaven because yeah. I was I was I'm still a golfer, but I was a very avid golfer at that time, too. And I'll never forget Michael Jordan. He uh, he elbowed me in the head. I was up again. I was only, I don't know, eight or nine years old. I was up against the rope when they were walking off the green and he was handing his caddy his putter and he, his elbow hit me in the head. And he said, sorry, partner and I was like this is the greatest. <laughs> <laughs> that's so, <laughs> so cool. So that that whole that's one of the it's kind of a very random golf, a sporting event but I I'll, I'll never forget Boy, that. You're only
0: you're only talking about two of the greatest at their, at their sport there's ever been. Yeah. So I mean that's the impact that it has mm-hmm. um on you. As a as a writer yeah. and an entertainer. This just popped into my head because we're we're about 1 week out from the passing of Kobe Bryant. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I've seen is uh, on social on social media more so than anything else, of people criticizing others for feeling sad, distraught, or hurt because Kobe died, but yet they've never met him. Yeah, and like, you, how can you be upset about somebody that you've never met and you don't you don't know him? And how can but yet. We live in a world where it's not just about who you know. There are people that you'll never meet in your life that impact you so powerfully by their way. Right. What's your take on the ability to hurt so badly over somebody that you've never met? Do you find that viable or not viable to the human spirit?
1: well i think i would say it is it is viable um you know I think like you were saying it there's there's a list of people that i've I've never met, but on the day they died or the day they die I, it's gonna be really sad for me because I think you you realize people people like kobe bryant um you know they make a mark on people's lives that stays with them forever, mm-hmm. and then when you realize that person doesn't get to stay forever, it hurts yeah. You know, and you kind of—I don't know—it almost it maybe maybe it's just that it, um, you know, humanizes people we we put up on this yeah. pedestal because they have such a, you know, his legacy will outlive him and in, in the hearts of so many people. And,
0: yeah, like to me, yeah. I get I get pretty I get pretty upset about people bringing other people down because they're yeah. mourning. Oh so, no! I, I just I'm like on. So I talked to, on my radio show on Saturday. I was yeah. like on, you know, I don't like. People putting others down for mourning the death of somebody that they don't know, or because how can you? How can one person tell another person that that person hasn't impacted their life in a significant way? Yeah, you got no right uh, to say that. Yeah. So, like well, that's what Michael Jordan and Mario Lemieux did for you. Obviously, you got a chance to meet them there, yeah. but it's like that moment was so big. It was big because you were nine. Yeah. It was big because it was your idol and probably the most famous athlete and the planet simultaneously being there in a sport that you were avidly interested in. Yeah. All of those things came together to create that as the thing that popped into your head most when I ask you about your, you know, your greatest sports memory. Yeah. And yet you've really, you can't really say you know them, but it's something you'll never forget. Yeah. And that's what it's all about. For sure. Speaking of golf. Yeah. How, what's your handicap now? How much you get a chance to play, and what makes you love it so much? Well, I'm embarrassed to say I've hardly played golf in the last two years. Is that
1: right? Yeah, I I, I got into playing golf when I was, I think, and I really started getting serious about golf when I was like 11 years old. Um, and um, I I mean I just fell hard in love with the game. I had a, a shoebox of of used golf balls. It's Reebok. And I used to chip golf balls across one end of the backyard into that shoebox. To this day, that's probably the only part of my golf game that is somewhat decent is chipping. Is <laughs> chipping really? because I put so much time into that because that's as big as our yard was. I could yeah. only chip. So man, oh my, I'm embarrassed. My, my handicap—I don't even—I couldn't even tell you. I I'd shoot in the—I probably shoot in the nineties if we really? went out and played. Yeah. But what's the best you've ever been? The best. Um probably right around 90, I think. Mm-hmm. So, I, so, that, so I'll so i take that back. I'd probably shoot a little over 100 <laughs> if you went today. In my mind, I'm better than I am yeah, I hear you. What's just because I haven't been playing. I love it. Yeah. What,
0: what's the, what's your favorite golf course you've ever played?
1: Um, I would say I grew up going on vacation in Hilton Head Island. It's a lot of great mm. golf courses down there. I haven't played a ton of great golf courses. I'm definitely more of a – come from a, a strand of blue-collar golfers, yeah. you know. But there's a course down there called Shipyard. Oh, that, yeah. That we my my family had a uh, of a condo like a a timeshare. Yeah. Uh-huh. So for years we we never played the course, and I always just wanted to play it. So bad cause we could see it over the pond, and I got to play play there with my dad and my Uncle Dan, and and I felt like it was actually during the peak of my when I was really playing a ton of golf, uh-huh. and I
0: and I played great, and it was beautiful, oh, and that's alligators
1: awesome. and stuff. I'll never forget that.
0: That is so cool. Yeah. I haven't thought about Shipyard in a long time. Have you played there? I have not, but I've been to Hilton Head a bunch. Okay. And it was... uh, I know where it's at. Mm -hmm. I was like, man, now there's a a place I haven't thought of in a while. (laughs) That is cool. Yeah. That's cool. How about, um, obviously, music being part of your life, it's a little bit less shiny, but what are the best concerts you've ever been to? Man. I would say... I went to see
1: Bruce Springsteen at the Bridgestone Arena here about just about man maybe 4 or 5 he years ago. It says 4 or 5 years ago. I went with my buddy Travis Meadows he's a, a songwriter artist and one of my songwriting heroes and and he's a huge Springsteen fan. I got two tickets when they went on sale. My wife's not a big fan and I was just thinking man who who do I know who's going to appreciate this more than anybody? So I, I hit him up, and he jumped at the chance. And we went, man, we were up in the nosebleeds at his show. But I think that's what really struck me. I think he was such a powerful performer that way up in the back, I mean, he just reached deep down inside of us. I think I, I, think I, I cried tears of joy
0: yeah.
1: two or three times during the show, and that just blew me away. I'm like, I'm all the way up here. And he's reaching me up here. Yeah, you know, because I, I play a lot of intimate, con- <laughs> much yeah. more intimate concerts than that. And it just, it just blew me away, man. Just to, and so to get to be there with Travis and he was on cloud nine too, and um, see him and
0: it was Bruce was awesome. Yeah, Bruce is one of the greatest performers of all time. He's in a, that that rare classification of a legend. Yeah, on disc, tape, vinyl, whatever. And then he steps on stage and he might be bigger yeah. than his than his resume of yes. compiled music. Yeah, and there's a lot of it too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean that, there yeah. aren't many people that could out outdo the library of Bruce Springsteen. I'm thinking that the Rolling Stones would certainly be one. Yeah. And then outside of that, man, there aren't that many people that can sniff the the library of Bruce Springsteen. Yeah. That's the thing I've always been fascinated by. Is the perf- like, there are people that are less vocally gifted that are tremendously gifted at c- connecting and, like, b- grasping the audience yeah. that, that stand out. And I was just did, a, did one with um, a girl who's in this town S- singer, Ann, Ann Buckle. And Anne was talking about, you know, Taylor Swift, for whatever she lacks in perfect voice, she makes up for in stage dominance. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I thought that was a pretty profound statement for from her because she that was somebody that was a, a major influence in her career as Taylor Swift. Mm-hmm. And she was just like, she doesn't have a perfect voice. But she when she walks on that stage, she owns you in yeah. a good way. Yeah. And like that's what I want to be. And I was like, what I and I like to me, I think of the people that I saw pro Jam early on in like the ten days. And listening to Eddie, like it looked like he was looking right through me in some of his songs with the amount of pain that he was singing yeah. through. And I was like, I mean, that's what makes Pearl Jam so great. Is like they walk out on stage and everybody's just like Yeah. We're we're on we're on board, take us for a journey. Where's yeah. this spaceship going? We don't care. We trust you. That's power. Yes. That is power. When people just put put their heart and their hands out, just take me. Take yep. me today. When you when you think back to obviously Springsteen and the Eagles played a huge role in your childhood and then you get a chance to see Springsteen live. Mm-hmm. How did those two things tie together? Like to be able to know that Springsteen was this voice of your youth. Yeah. And then never knowing if you're gonna see him and then you, you do. Yeah. And he's and then it was, that was like a three-hour and 30-minute show, because yeah. he never let you down. Oh yeah, we were there. Uh, the whole thing. Yeah, right? it's, just, it's amazing. How did, that, how did that piece go when you kind of put together this voice of, of, your, of your youth and you see it live? What'd that do for you?:
1: It made me cry. Yeah, three times. you know, And, I, and it's a kind of tears that you can't explain. I'm like, what is this? What am I feeling right now? It's, it's just, it just it just hits you all these different spots, and I think a lot. Of, I think I didn't really actually think of the tie, but I think that probably had to do something with the tears. Is, yeah. And, you know, I think part of why I like Bruce Springsteen is because I I'm I'm so nostalgic that I can sometimes feel someone else's nostalgia, and I think about my dad. I somehow mm. feel close to my dad. Makes sense. Because you know, my my dad's the kind of guy when he listens to music, he'll he'll tell you all the memories he had. A song will come on, and say, like, oh, you know. I'll never forget my Firebird, 1968, driving, driving through Morristown, you know. And he'll tell me these stories, and I, I don't remember a lot of the stories, but I remember all the feelings the music gives him. Uh-huh. So I think for some reason when Bruce Springsteen comes on, yeah. I can imagine not only my own life as a kid sitting there coloring, but i can actually imagine imagine my dad's life yeah. growing up and i i know that sounds crazy and pretty deep
0: it's transcendental baby i love but that. but it it's, it is transcendental it I is love that. That so i is think awesome. there's something there yeah well i'm a big wine guy and i as you can tell i haven't missed a meal since like like ever um <laughs> yeah right <laughs> the uh do do you do you like wine and and does food and mm-hmm. wine bring a level of enjoyment to you to uh in in the recharge of things Mm -hmm. that you just love to do in in your pastimes.
1: Yeah, it does. You know, I can't say I'm a huge wine guy. My wife loves wine. Yeah. She's gotten into wine. I feel like in the last five years and she loves, uh, Pinot Noirs from, like, she knows the kind of, oh. she doesn't know, like, the whole scope of wine, but she's found the kind of wine she, she likes. likes and she knows where it's from. I and I really that. like it too. Like, Pinot Noirs from the Russian River Valley Va- or something. Oh, yeah. I don't know. But I'm like, that is really good. So I, I, I my, my, my palate is not very sophisticated. Mm. Uh, but I do enjoy wine. I think what I enjoy the most about wine is just that it's, when you pour a glass of wine, it's just this. It's the ritual. It's the pop. Yeah. It's the sound of the click, 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 And you, and then you're gonna recline, you're gonna sit, and you're gonna talk about your day and you're gonna talk about what you're dreaming about, how you're feeling and connecting. You know, that's I think right. that's what I love about wine. It's,
0: it's like an ingredient of connection. Yes. Well, you said. Know, one of the things that makes wine interesting is yeah. it's alive. Okay. So what it tastes like today it won't taste like tomorrow.
1: Yeah. I never you thought know? about that.
0: So when you're when you're drinking, you know I love Russian River Valley Pinot. In my opinion, is the best of California, and so you get that that little bit of that cherry pie in it, and it's it's fruity, but it's got just enough, you know, just enough acid in it to kind of like sparks your tongue a little bit, get you, yeah. makes you pay attention. Like, wow, that was pretty. That's pretty interesting. But it's art, much like your music, yeah. you know, and much like what I do. It's it's an art form. Yeah in a bottle and somebody picked those grapes and felt like 18 months in the barrel was better than 14 months in the barrel. And here's why. And we're going to put it in this type of bottle. We're going to get these kind of corks. And then you, you have that moment and you, you pop in the first one you have, you have no idea what you're going to get much like the first time I listened to your music or you listen to anybody's music. You're like, here we go. Press play hmm yeah wow and then after you press play for a while and you're drinking you're like wow i i like this i don't know why i like this and then you you dig yeah. in a little bit more and you dig in a little bit more that is uh that's a really cool thing one of the things that wine does was one is it obviously it's a conduit with food too and it helps break down food uh, as you're as you're eating it and it, you know, it cascades you know, the wine brings out the food, and the food wow. brings out the wine. Yeah. It brings out the different tastes, which is why it's always good to, like, bite, sip, bite, sip, bite, sip. Especially if they're, they do a good job of being paired together. Yeah. They bring out the best in each other. Yeah. Which creates, whether you know it or not, it enacts a part of your brain that's a little softer and a little more apt to experience conversation. Hmm. And a little more apt to experience... Another person's joy or pain, hmm. and it becomes, and it, it also obviously it has alcohol, so it helps break down barriers in your mind of what you think you can and can't do. Hmm. Like I don't think I can listen to that story; that's too sad. And then with a glass of wine, and the, you get to hear like the build up to the story. You're like, oh wow! And then there's there's the connection. Yeah, it creates that. There's a bond. That's created while expressing art. So art art of wine, the art of music, the art of people, they all come together at the same time. And to be able to remember to take that moment is really important. One of my favorite books is The Celestine Prophecy. And The Celestine Prophecy basically states that no person or thing comes into your life by happenstance. So, if you're mm. sitting on that plane flying to wherever you're flying to, don't sit there with your headphones on and try to disappear. That person's sitting there for a reason. Mm. Ask them a question. Find out why they're there mm-hmm. because they're, that is why they're sitting there. It was so, like, to me, that's what wow. turned me on to being the person that I am. So I'm reading that book, and it just goes into one moment after another where this person goes and sits down at a cafe and decides that he's gonna sit beside this person instead of go all the way down to the end and by himself. And that person knows somebody that he needs to know that he would not have gotten it without yeah. that person. Wow. And it was the courage to sit beside him that set it up. And that courage then led to more courage. And that those experiences led to even more courage and then he turned into a human connector wow and yeah. i'm like
1: <laughs> i love that
0: there's my there's my why yeah why do i do a podcast why do i why do i write a book what is because i want to connect with people because that's why i'm here yeah like playing golf is a joy of mine but it's not who i am Coaching people to enjoy a pastime that allows them to spend four or five hours with their kids, their loved ones, their friends, and be able to enjoy it better makes their life holistically better. Yeah. It, it extrapolates outward. Yeah. Many, many ways and many times. Mm-hmm. That is why I do what I do. It's why I do my podcast is that I can take today's podcast and there's going to be three or four things that I'll be able to take that make me better tomorrow because of your experiences that I can somehow relate. They're not the same. But any time that I begin to struggle, there's a chance that whatever I'm struggling with, you, for the first time, you've already struggled with, and you tell this story, I'm like, oh, boom. yeah, I can make it. Steve made it. I got this. Yeah, And that, to me... Is what I'm trying to pass on is like i you know I have my own life to to experience I've had a bunch of great success and a bunch of not so much good, but I'm here, and I pass on those stories with the same amount of love and care because I may have had a bad day, but I know there's people out there that have a way worse than me, yeah and i may have had a great day, but there are people that have a great way greater day yeah. than me keeps you grounded, yeah, you it know does. I love that final question. You, uh, you get your big break, mm-hmm. and now you're the biggest act in the world. Mm-hmm. Who's going to open for you, and who's, where's the venue of the day in which everybody knows your name? Who's going to open for you? Who's going to be the opening act? And what's the venue? And what's the venue?
1: Oh, man. That's a good question. Man, I the venue I'd love to play is actually one I've never even been to, but I I definitely it, it seems to be the coolest freaking venue is uh, Red Rocks Red Anime Rocks Theater. yeah it just it seems it's un, uncomparable. it's just, it's in a league of its own yep um I would love to I mean to headline a show there would be amazing um man the first name that comes to mind is a guy I just I just mentioned man I, but Travis Meadows, I'd love to, He he's to me a, a treasure and an incredible artist. And I think one that deserves a lot more of spotlight than he's had. Mm-hmm. And if I could, if I could, if I could be the guy that could throw him on that stage, I'd be, that'd be a
0: joy for me. Yeah. like To me, I think that that's, that's something that has uh, popped in my head. So this might, this will be probably the last question. Yeah. Unless you, <laughs> unless you say something else, even more compelling. That's the thing I love about music is how like, when Kenny Chesney is so gigantic, yeah, he recognizes that he could make an impact on somebody else's life, yeah, because of the situation that he is in, yeah. So he invites Old Dominion and Thomas Rhett to open, yeah. And you're like, and those are two already fairly established, oh yeah, people, right? And that creates, like, wow, thanks, Kenny. You know, I couldn't be in front of 50,000 people without you. Right. You know, so I had never heard of either of them when I went to see Kenny Chesney at the Nissan Mm -hmm. two summers ago. Now, I like them both. So the power of, of music to be able to do that is big because I stand on my head with these kids here at the school. The closer you get to the top, the more feet you have on your head and the fewer hands you have reaching down to lift you up. Mm-hmm. Be an elevator, not a person who keeps people down. Yeah. That's a good one. You know. And I'm a I just believe so much in elevating others. So when you have that opportunity, that's a b it tells me who you are. Because you had the opportunity to say, I'd like to have Bruce Springsteen open for me. That'd be nice. All like right, to have the Eagles open for me with Vince Gill. <laughs> That'd be nice. Yeah. But instead, you take the platform of, I ask the question, you're big time. You can't, like, you have to have security get you off your private jet into the Suburban because anything else would be unsafe for you. And then yeah. you get driven from the airport to <laughs> Red Rocks. And who do you want to be there? Your buddy. Yeah. That says a lot because that tells me where you're going. I love that.
1: Well thanks, man.
0: Well, thank I can't you. I can't thank you enough for taking the time out of your busy schedule to come on it has the verge. It's been
1: a real pleasure, man.
0: But it was it was an honor to have you here. Your new your new album, Blue Jeans, is phenomenal. Thanks, I encourage man. everybody out there to to go subscribe, purchase, buy, and go check him out. You got a tour coming up? I do, yeah. We're gonna we're announcing our, our tour on the Blue Jeans record here
1: in the next couple of weeks. So we'll be on the road April and May here in the US and Yeah.
0: What can Maybe. they find out more about? Because this will come out obviously after our interview here is going to come right. out a little bit later it'll be a time delay of a week or oh, two so we, yeah so where will it be on your website yeah you can see all the tour dates on com. awesome yeah. well thank you so much for coming on buddy best luck to you and thank you keep brother. on rocking you too man appreciate it Cure is focused on providing natural alternatives to aid with current or previous medical conditions cure does this by providing therapeutic properties of natural cannabinoid formulations for multiple uses whether internally or externally ask your physical therapist or your primary care physician if cannabinoids are right for you or check out their website www.curemich.com cure cannabis used for research and education